Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. This is Mike's producer, Bruce Bernstein, doing my best to fill Mike's shoes while he's on assignment this week. And my guest is one of the fresh young voices in basketball media. She's interviewed many of the biggest names in the sport, and she's currently keeping a close eye on the Denver Nuggets as they climb the ladder out in the Western Conference. She is the host of the Ashley Neville Show, and we thank her for chilling with us today. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Mike Wise Show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Cool. Okay. I first noticed your work on LinkedIn. I was really impressed with your content, and I find it interesting that you've sort of focused on social media platforms for your work. How's that approach been working out for you? So far, so good. I mean, it's a good way to connect with other people, other athletes, coaches, um, other reporters. It's been a way for me to be able to express myself and my own views. Um, it's been able, it's allowed me to be more creative. You know, it's allowed me to use all different types of social media platforms, not just one. Um, you know, I kind of saw uh, the shift a couple of years back with television kind of leaning more toward social media. So I was always really big with bringing my cell phone everywhere I went, filming everything on my phone. Um, I would get, you know, a selfie stick and a microphone and I would do my interviews that way. And I figured it was quicker to just upload it really fast as opposed to, you know, the whole, you know, filming it on a camera, having to bring it back to your computer, plug it in, edit it and everything. So I just figured like, why not use social media and why not use it um, more so than like television? Because not many people are watching television anymore. It's all social media. And I wanted to give people a way to be able to watch some of their favorite athletes, whether it was at a game, whether it was at shoot around, whether it was an interview, be able to watch them on their own time. You know, what if they can't make it home at 6 p.m. to watch it on TV? But oh, I can go to, you know, Ashley Neville's social media page and I can, you know, watch the same thing there whenever I feel like it. I, I didn't, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. So that was kind of my approach to social media and also just being able to call something mine. You know, when you're, when you're working for other companies, it's great. Don't get me wrong, but you don't own the content. Um, you're not necessarily the creator of the content. So for me, it's been really rewarding um, doing that. And I've had a lot of fun with it. I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. I mean, I worked for ESPN for 32 years and it was a great experience, you know, amazing platform, all that. But there were times that I had ideas that I really wanted to do and we all had bosses. So, you know, a lot of times they'd say, yeah, okay. And other times it'd be like, that's not what we're looking for. But now, and we're all kind of in the same boat with Pure Hoops Media, we're doing a lot of stuff, you know, independently as well. It's really very satisfying because 
you know, when you come up with an idea and you're passionate about it, you're going to bring an energy to it and it's going to come out really well for the most part. So I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, working for companies will give you the experience that you need. Um, but like you said, when you have someone kind of controlling what you put out there, controlling uh, your creativity and not allowing you to get to the level that you want to get to, it makes it really, you know, hard. Um, so I've always kind of been one of those people that I like to not be locked down to just one company. I've kind of just been all over the place um, for different, you know, different companies all over, whether it's doing writing, whether it's doing broadcast, whether it's editing, whether it's posting to social media, like just so many different things. Just I don't like to just narrow myself down to just being, you know, a reporter, but like I'm an editor, I'm a creator. Um, I can do things that are a little bit outside of the box. I can experiment a little more and then go back to the drawing board if it didn't work. And I can just kind of go from there and just see what works, what doesn't, make adjustments as needed. Um, and so far it's been pretty good. I mean, not all of my content is big hits, you know, not everyone, I don't, it doesn't always get a ton of views, but um, I think it's the consistency over time um, that has allowed me to get better at my craft, be better on camera, be better with uh, crafting the questions that conversation. Um, so it's just been a lot of uh, just time, a lot of time, a lot of experimenting. You really are like one of these new age type people. Cause I know when I first started out, people tended to be a little bit more specialized. If you were an editor, you were a technical person. You didn't really get into content. You would have a producer or an AP with you saying, get in here, get out there. But you do a little bit of everything, which is sort of indicative of your generation of, of media types. Uh, multimedia journalists, I guess, is the term. And uh, that's, you know, it's great because it does give you much more control and the ability to see your vision through from beginning to end. So, OK, let's back up a little bit. You grew up in Chicago. You went to the University of Arizona. You majored in journalism and sports management. And you're a big basketball person. But was basketball always your favorite sport? It wasn't. No, um, it started off uh, being baseball, believe it or not. Um, and I barely keep up with baseball now, but it all started. Uh, my grandma's actually my biggest influence in sports. And every time I mention that to someone, they're all like your grandma. Oh, like it wasn't your dad or your brother or your grandpa or like, you know, a cousin or an uncle. I'm like, no, it was my grandma. Um, she was a huge sports fan. She played every single sport. She refereed, she umpired, she did a little bit of everything. Um, she also played basketball in the army um, overseas. And she would always just take us to games. Like me and my brother would miss school. We'd go to all the Cubs games. Um, they would always- Cool grandma. Wow, you missed school for games? Yep, grandma nice. was a real one. Grandma didn't mess around. She was like, if you're a sports fan, you are all in. So yeah, we would. they would pack us, you know, great lunches and we would go there, go down to the, to the, to the stadium. Um, obviously my favorite is getting, you know, the hot dogs there and just Wrigley Field's great. R Wrigley Field's just a great experience. Um, and it, before they got all the renovations and everything done, like it was just one of those places where you just felt like, it just felt like home, you know, it just felt like, wow, like I'm really here right now. Like it was just, I got to watch Sammy Sosa and all those other guys. So I really loved baseball. Uh, my grandma was a big inspiration for um, everything. And then the Steve Bartman game, of course, I was at that game with my mom um, and I was so heartbroken. And I finally was like, I can't be like this invested in a team because I can't handle like the emotional pain that it causes when, when they lose. Cause it's like, we, I missed, like, I went to so many games and it's like, wow, I thought they were actually gonna win it all. 
and then they, they lose and they break my heart. But, um, from there, I just started following more so like, you know, basketball. Um, and then growing up too, like, I wasn't really like a sporty girl. I was a cheerleader. I was a dancer. Um, I cheerleaded for both basketball and football. So I did that, but, um, I just like basketball as a passion. I'm not very good at it. I don't have handles. My shots. Okay. It's not consistent, but, um, yeah, I've always just been a sports fan. Um, obviously bulls growing up, uh, the Cubs though were my number one. And then now it's just mainly the NBA and I love it. I can totally relate to what you're talking about. I grew up in the Boston area and, you know, Fenway park and Wrigley field are very similar experiences. Uh, and the futility of the Cubs and the Red Sox were also, you know, similar experiences. I remember in 2004, when the Red Sox finally won the World Series, I have two sons. And at the time, they were 13 and 11. And uh, I remember I let them stay up late, you know, to watch the end of the game and, you know, first world championship. And it was very exciting. And it is, you know, it's such a family thing. So, yes, we passed those passions down a generation or two through our family and you obviously uh when it's your turn to pass them down i'm sure you're gonna you're gonna keep grandma's memories uh well uh, in mind as you do that yes absolutely. so all right you talked about uh, the the uh understanding of basketball and the love of basketball and you talked about your appreciation of the basketball culture and you kind of pride yourself on your knowledge of the basketball culture. What is it about the basketball culture that you feel is so um, different from any other sport? I just feel the way that Adam Silver carries himself every day. I truly think that he's a pioneer in um, a lot of the movements that we're seeing in terms of just being more open, um, more accepting to um, you know minorities and other groups. And I feel like the NBA is, you know, the first in hiring women to be coaches and the first to hiring women to take on bigger roles. And, um, you know, we see other women in front office roles. We see women owning sports teams, um, NBA teams, and we're seeing just kind of women take the, the, the steering wheel, I, I guess, so to speak. And I, I just love that about the NBA is that they're just a very, it's a tight knit group. And they they also allow, um, I feel like they're just more open and, and allowing more coverage. So if I want to go post, you know, you know, an NBA highlight to my Instagram, like it's not going to get taken down. And I feel like other places they're like, oh no, we own the rights to that. But Adam Silver is just like, no, like if, if we can share this with everyone and everyone shares it, like the more the merrier, like it's better for us. It's better for our brand. And they're just way more open in that sense. And I also just feel like the players are just a lot more open and they're more fun and there's just more access to it. Like, you know, I've tried to break into other sports and I just don't feel like they have that same kind of element of entertainment that basketball does. Like, obviously, you know, watching, you know, football is great. Um, I love the sport. It's very barbaric. Um, I enjoy that. But at the same time, like, I just don't feel like we truly know these athletes as people, you know, they don't really speak out a lot about certain things. They're kind of just like, all right, I play. And then I don't, you know, post to social media. Like I kind of just keep my private life private. Um, whereas I feel like you get a feel, like you kind of know who LeBron James is, right? You kind of you kind of know who Kyrie Irving is. You kind of know Chris Paul and like all these different guys, uh, Car Carmelo Anthony, Damian Lillard. Like they're very open in so many other areas. Whereas I feel like football, it's like just, you know, one lane, B baseball, one lane. But we see NBA players, they're rapping. They have other businesses, you know, they have, wine, they've invested in wine companies, different wine brands. 
Um, so I just feel like the basketball culture overall is just a lot more open, accepting, and just more fun. Just way more. I've always felt, and and over the years, I mean, I've been associated with the NBA for many, many years, and I describe the basketball culture as really more of a family culture. I mean, what you said about Adam Silver is 100% right. He's a real one. David Stern, believe it or not, he was also a real one, right? The and, and the players and the executives and all the people that I've run across in the NBA, it's kind of like, in a good way, it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're in, you know? Because you want to be in and you don't want to leave. And that's one of the reasons that for me anyway, after leaving ESPN, after all those years working on the NBA, all I really wanted to do was to somehow or another remain in the NBA family. And by doing what we're doing, what you're doing, what I'm doing, we are the NBA family. It's a great family. We feel welcomed. Um, and we welcome others in who, who share our passion. So let's talk a little bit about the Ashley Neville Show. It's available on the Internet. But there's a lot of shows on the internet. But somehow or another, Ashley, you're getting really marquee guests to come on with you. I mean, we're talking Dame Lillard. We're talking Charles Barkley. We're talking Devin Booker, Tom Thibodeau, the biggest names. So what's your secret? How are you booking all these people? Well, some of those people were before the Ashley Neville show, but they were still on my platform. So the name of it kind of has changed over time. I don't I haven't really stuck with a name but the Ashley Neville show um is where it's at right now but you know during quarantine at least I can speak for that with Charles Barkley I had his number in my phone from a, a colleague of mine and he's like if you ever need it like here's his number and then I saw he was doing interviews with like you know the local Phoenix media and I was just like you know what? I'm just gonna text him and see what happens so I texted him and I didn't hear back but uh, for like maybe like a couple days and then he finally texts back and I can kind of tell that through his, like it was him just through the texting. I could just tell generationally, I could tell it was him. And um, he was like, yeah, let's get something set up. I would love to speak with you. And, you know, I sent him over some of my other content so that he knew that I was a real person. I'm not just like pretending to be someone. <laughs> um, and so we ended up setting that up and it was just like a surreal moment for me because I almost wish that my grandma could have been here to see that, you know, because she grew up watching all these you know guys play and she never really got to meet any of them and I know that I'm kind of living like I'm, I'm living through her in a way because she never you know brought her passion to the table you know like she loved watching the sport she loved like coaching and playing but like she would have been such a great analyst or reporter and I feel that I'm kind of doing what she should have been doing so that was a great interview and then just over time you know I met Dwayne Wade a couple of years ago um during his last season he was in town um in phoenix for the last time and i was just prepared i think the biggest thing is when you are working in any kind of field whether or not it's you know behind the camera in front of the camera whether you're doing an interview is to always be prepared so i was always preparing for my interviews i was like all right what are some of these questions that like i want to know what are questions that may have not been asked before how can i be different so when I went there, it was obviously that little a scrum setting. It was a, it was after a workout, a scrum setting, and I just took over the interview. I'm like, this is my time. Like, I'm just going to keep rattling off questions. And other reporters kind of backed off and just let us kind of have our, you know, moment to, to just have a conversation. And um, after that, you know, he was really like, wow, those questions were great and um, started following me. And we just kind of kept in touch since then, you know, and, and now if I wanted to have him for an interview, it, it was, it took a while to get him to book, you know, ex, you know, excuses and, you know, I have to go through this person. I'm like, 
no, you don't like you're Dwayne Wade. Like you don't need to go through anybody. Like you're not, you know, you know, you don't really have, like he has an agent, but it's like, not like they're controlling him anymore. He's not playing. Um, but it was some things he had to work with, I guess, with TNT, but you know, I just kept pushing for it. And if you really want something bad enough, like you just got to keep pushing for it. So that's what I did with him. And then with, um, Dame Lillard, you know, I met him at summer league a couple of years ago, just walked right up to him, introduced myself. And I was like, Hey, can I get an interview? And he doesn't really give interviews at summer league. And I didn't know that, but I'm just like, you know what? Like, whatever. I mean, the worst they could say is no. That's the thing. The worst someone could say is no. And like, I've had right. guys say no, like, uh, you know, give me the runaround. I need to ask my, you know, publicist. And I'm just like, well, I can, you know, you know, I just don't like taking that for an answer. Uh, I'd rather them just start up say like, no, I'm not interested, but um, I'll keep prying at them. I'll keep DMing. I mean, there's a couple of them that I keep bothering, but, and like, they read the messages at least. So they know that I'm not going to stop, but um, it's just being persistent, being very uh, just crafty with your questions, um, being very precise with the things that you want to ask. And also like being um, aware of the timing of it too. What you're really describing is really a, a trick that it takes a lot of people years to learn, which is aggressiveness without being obnoxious or annoying. And that's a really fine line to walk. And it kind of leads me into the next question I was going to ask, which is basically, I'm kind of an old timer in the media, right? I've been at this for a long time. And when I was first getting started in the late 1970s, women were really just beginning to kind of break into the sports media. I was fortunate enough to intern for Gail Gardner in, in Boston. And Gail went on to become a very big star at ESPN and at NBC Sports. And Gail was just as tough as nails. She was tougher than any guy that I knew. And she was about five foot nothing tall. I mean, she was a she was a dynamo in a small package, right? Smart as can be, but never took no for an answer. And I remember how she had to fight and claw for everything. And, you know, guys would be condescending to her and she would give it back 10 times. I mean, you know, she's from Brooklyn, right? So, you know, how Brooklyn people can be. So she had to really blaze the trail. So as a woman in the, you know, still pretty much male dominated sports culture, do you find yourself in a position where you feel like you always have to keep proving yourself or how does, what's your mindset when it comes to that, you know, topic, so to speak? Hmm. I mean, I definitely had to work for everything I got, but I feel like a lot of people do. Um, in a sense, I feel like that's the beauty of any industry is having to work really hard for what you want. And the people that don't, obviously um, they get weeded out, but you know, yeah, I think being a woman does have its, it presents its challenges. Um, it definitely, it's, it, it takes longer to get taken serious. I feel like um, because it's like, you, you walk in there like, Oh, you know, another pretty face. Oh, she's just pretty. Doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, she only got the job because she's good looking. And like, I get that a lot. Like, Oh, you don't know sports. Like, and I still get it, you know, backlash from just, I think it's more so fans. I think players um, are a lot more accepting now and they're like, you know, I don't really see any like backlash to it. Uh, but I feel like fans, like if you say one thing that they disagree with, they automatically say, this is why women aren't respected in sports because of these comments. And it's like, so because my opinion differs from yours, it's a sexist thing. And it's because I'm a woman and, you know, I, I still deal with some of that stuff. Um, I just don't really like to get like let it get to me anymore. I'm just you know, kind of like not even putting focus on it. I think it's great that the NBA and um, other leagues are more open to it. But to your point, I mean, even when I go on some of these Zoom calls or um, you know NBA post game interviews, there's maybe like two or three girls. Maybe there's nights when I'm the only girl on there, um, where I still feel like there's room for improvement. 
where it's still very male dominated and you know that's okay like i'm not gonna sit here and say like oh no we need you know has it has to be half female half male like i'm not gonna say that um but i do think that there's maybe some room to grow in that area and i encourage women to you know keep knocking down those doors i mean it's not easy um i've messaged literally i've emailed thousands and thousands of people to just try to get an opportunity and um those rejections helped me the rejections helped me and i was able to do my own thing it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger right Isn't yep. that what they say well you know you're living proof of that so okay you've interviewed so many great people which ones stand out? Is there one interview that's most memorable for you? Is there a couple? Is there, you know, what's some of the, what are, what's one or two of the highlights of the people you've spoken with over the years? The highlights. First one's Derek Rose, um, obviously, because I grew up in Chicago and he was kind of like that Michael Jordan figure to me. I mean, Michael Jordan, I was, I was still young, you know, I was like six, seven years old. Like, you know, I, I, kind of, I knew it was going on, but I didn't get to truly enjoy the love and the beauty of his game and what the Bulls were able to do for those six years. So Derek Rose was that guy for me um, and just everything he means to Chicago, you know, his whole story, um, where he started, how he was able to get through it um, and become, you know, this NBA star, uh, putting, you know, the Bulls back on the map for the first time and, you know, God knows how long. And being able to get them to the playoffs, being able to win MVP as the youngest MVP in NBA history, mm. he just just showed that relentlessness um, that I can relate to. And so I really, you know, latched onto him and his story. So when I was able to interview him, um, I think he was with the Timberwolves at the time, and they were in town for shoot around, and like there was no other media there. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to request Derek Rose and see what happens. And I got my one-on-one -on -one interview with him. It wasn't, I, we weren't both on the camera, which was kind of whatever, but I got to film him on my phone and got to have a conversation with him. And I was probably the most like nerve wracking I've ever been with any NBA player because it was like, wow, my idol. And like, you know, they always say like as reporters, oh, like, you know, try to like, you know, be professional, but like there's certain people that you meet that are still just, they're celebrities to you. They're people you look up to like, wow, I'm really talking to this person right now. And I normally don't get starstruck and I don't, think it's a bad thing if you do um but being able to contain yourself be professional about it so i would say derrick rose number one and then number two um obviously i would just say Dwayne wade another chicagoan um oh, yeah. another multiple time nba uh you know all-star he's champion nba champion um he was one of those guys too where i just i feel like interviewing players like former nba players or the older guys they have so much experience and knowledge not just about the game but about life and when you get to really talk to these guys, you know, who are in their late 20s, early 30s, um, they just have a lot more depth. And so our conversations were just very deep, very, very interesting. I was learning something as opposed to when you interview some of these younger guys, they don't really have enough life in them yet um, to where they have enough experience, enough things to really talk about. But Dwayne Wade is just like so like multidimensional, you know, he has so much to say and so much to talk about so i would say him um for sure those two and then um i'm definitely gonna get lebron james in the future that is my my main goal so i'm gonna say that's gonna be my third top interview i'm just gonna put that out there manifest that um that's gonna be my third top one probably move up to number one but um that's something i'm really pushing for ron if you're watching or you're listening ashley's on the case so just be ready when she comes after you she's gonna she's gonna ask you all the good questions we're gonna talk about lebron in a little bit before we say goodbye because i think the, there's a little bit more we want to say about that but okay 
One of our mutual friends is the great and wonderful Amin El Hassan. Um, I worked with him at ESPN. You probably knew him from Phoenix. How'd you how'd you cross paths with this gentleman? So I think me and Amin met at a conference. It was like a sports conference, I believe, or it was LinkedIn, one of the two. Um, I ask him this all the time, like, how did we even meet again? And like, I, he tells me the story and I, I like, kind of forget every time. But um, <laughs> I know we met at a sports career conference that was in Charlotte and I went to it and I met like everyone from ES, a ton of people from ESPN, people from like different um, teams and like scouts, NBA scouts. Um, I met coaches, like people, it was just everyone there. And um, I just networked, you know, and me and him like really hit it off. Like, and he's kind of just been a, a mentor to me whenever I need anything. He's one of those guys that I can, you know, call or text if I have to ask him about like a trade, you know, a certain trade that goes down or if I have to ask him about like certain rules in the NBA, like a salary cap or whatever, like he's an expert in that field. So he's one of those guys where it's like, if I need some clarification on stuff, he's always there. If I need advice about the industry, he's always there. Um, and we just kept in touch and he lives out here in Phoenix too. So grab food sometimes, get a couple drinks, talk basketball, talk life. And um, it's just kind of have developed into one of those really good relationships and um when he was with espn whether it was in bristol um you know before they moved everything over uh and in la you know if i was ever out there he'd say yo like if you want to you know fly down you can fly down um and i'll let you you know shadow me and i got to meet you know like michelle beetle who i'm cool with today like cassidy hubbard um and then some other, you know, ESPN personalities who I've still kept in touch with to this day. So Amin's definitely taken me under his wing. Um, and I'm truly, truly grateful for that. You know, Amin and Cassidy are two really, really close friends. And I told Amin, I sent him a note earlier today. I said, you know, Ashley and I are going to do this show together. And we both fully expect you to retweet it and promote it. You owe it to both of us. You owe us both. So anyway, we'll, I, I have no doubt that he'll, he'll pull through on that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the team you've been keeping your eye on recently, which is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they've won 12 of the last 15. They're within two games of the third spot in the West. Nikola Jokic, player of the month for the month of March. He leads the team in scoring, rebounding, assists. What makes the Joker so unique? Everything. Um First and foremost, for how great of an athlete this guy is, and I don't want to say, you know, everyone's like, oh, they, they, their terms of athletes are always different, but the kind of player he is and how he's able to dominate on the floor every single night, I need to mention how humble this guy is because he just doesn't care if it's him scoring or if it's him facilitating or if it's him that gets all the praise or any of his teammates. He's just so humble, doesn't like to talk about himself, like, doesn't even care. He wins an MVP. He's like, eh, personal accolades, throw them out the window. He's like, I just want to win a championship. Um, I just love my teammates. I want to do it for my team. So I would say like, number one, first and foremost, just who he is as a person, um, just says everything you need to know about him, but then how he's able to dominate the floor as a big man. And he's not just a scoring threat, right? He's also one of those guys where he gets double teamed. He, he can pass the ball. He has his basketball IQ is just unbelievable. Um, you know, I already see how he's connecting with Aaron Gordon in such a short time. It's like, you know, you would think that they would need, you know, a little bit more to time to gel, but uh, Nicola just has such a feel for the game where he could just predict things before they happen. And like that, that's what makes a great NBA player, a great athlete in general is being able to predict things before they happen 
Um, so he's got like the IQ of a point guard, right? Like he plays like a point guard, but he's a big man. So he just poses such a threat in multiple areas of the floor. And he's also leading the league in um, player efficiency rating, which I think is just, it's just amazing. I mean, he's just one of those guys you, you can't guard. And when you do guard him, like look at, look at how many threats he has on the court. And then also he's drawing fouls. Um, the refs have been a little, a little light on that lately. Uh, um, I haven't been happy about that because I'm like, how it's like a bigger guy can get fouled twice as hard and they're not going to call it because, oh, he's a big man. He can handle it like, ah, whatever. But if it's someone smaller, but so that's another thing. Like, um, I feel like there's some games, like he does get to the foul line a lot and he, as he should, uh, cause I mean, I've seen three guys try to guard him, three, you know, three or four guys try to stop him and it's just nearly impossible. So just everything he brings to the game. Um, it's just been, been great to see. You don't think of superstar players and Joker is a superstar player, but you don't think of superstar players as glue guys, but he's both really. He's a superstar. He's a glue guy. You can't speed him up. You can't make him play faster than he wants to play. It's almost like he's in this little bubble. And, you know, like you said a few minutes ago, everything kind of slows down for him. He's able to work at his own pace. And it's really just remarkable. And I totally agree with your point about how guys like him sometimes take a lot of hits and they're expected to play through it. I had uh, Steve Javi on one of our other shows, Pure Thoughts, a few weeks ago. And we were talking about that in, re in regards to LeBron, where LeBron, he goes to the line a lot, but he also plays, he's so strong, he plays through contact that he doesn't get whistles that guys who maybe were not as hefty as him would. And Steve actually agreed with that. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned Aaron Gordon a few minutes ago. He's the new kid on the block in Denver. He's going to take Paul Millsap's minutes because Paul's now getting up there in age, and you know you got to you got to roll things over. Um, how do you think that's going to work? I mean, Paul's pretty professional guy, and and I think he gets it. Is that all going to work out? Is Paul going to be happy being second string while Aaron takes takes over the four for them? Absolutely. I mean, I think these guys are professional. Um, Paul's kind of been, you know, in and out of the lineup anyway with injuries this season. Um, I think like since he's been back, I mean, he's had like, you know, a couple of good games. He kind of impacts the floor in more ways than just scoring, but you know, he's had a, he had a good game, um, a couple of nights ago, I think before Aaron, um, came on, but I mean, he's, he's a professional, he's a veteran. He understands he's getting up there. Um, and you get a guy like Aaron Gordon, like he's a starter. Come on. Let's be real here. I mean, this guy is, um, he could do everything. You know, and like he's also one of those guys that can affect the game in more ways than scoring, um, whether it's passing, um, whether it's, you know, just setting screens, whether it's, you know, on the, on the defensive end as well. I mean, he's one of those guys like you don't want to defend you. Um, and he's always been this way when I covered him at the University of Arizona. Um, just tenacious on the defensive end. Um, also worked really hard on his, on his craft on the offensive end, too. So, I mean, I think these guys, I mean, these guys are professionals for the most part. I mean, yeah at one point or another, you have to understand like, okay, like I need to, if this is going to make, help my team win, like, and I'll come off the bench. Okay. We only have a few minutes left. I want to be respectful of your time. I got a couple more things before I let you go. Number one, you're also quite familiar with the Phoenix Suns. You live in the Phoenix area. And I know you've observed that team pretty closely. We knew going into this season that they were going to be an up and coming team. We knew that Chris Paul was going to bring that leadership, but geez, these guys, they're 16 and six on the road. They're number two in the West. Is this a team that could come out of nowhere and actually be a championship threat this year? I don't think they're going to win it all this year. 
Um, but I definitely think they're a team to look out for within the next two, three years um, if they keep what they have going. Um, you know, just watching the development of them over the past couple of years and what James Jones has been, has been able to do. Um, you know, Sarver was one of those owners who tried to control a lot of things. And it's, it's one of those things that even just because you own a team doesn't mean that you have the necessary experience to be able to run the team. It's very two different things. You can own it, but you can't run it. So when he put those pieces in place, like a James Jones type figure who played the game of basketball, who won an NBA championship, to be able to make those moves, to get the right trades, to be able to get the right coach, to be able to build the right culture that an, a team needs to win an NBA championship. And he and he's done that. Um, he got Monty um, as a head coach who obviously we've seen him coach many NBA stars in this league, um, do a great job. And I love that he's just, you could tell he's bringing just, you know, kind of like a father figure type level of coaching. He's like a player coach, kind of under, you know, he understands his guys on a deeper level. Um, and he's very, he's kind of a spiritual kind of guy too. And I feel like that's been helping his players uh, bond more, be more of like a brotherhood as, as opposed to what we saw in the past. And then bringing in, I mean, Chris Paul, I can't say enough things about this guy. I mean, he is the, the point God, the floor general, um, one of those guys that impacts every team that he plays for. I think he personally should be top five for MVP this year. Um, maybe even top three, just based on his impact alone. Um, Devin Booker is going to be a superstar in this league. He had 45 points last night. I mean, he's not even reached his peak yet. Um, and then you've got DeAndre Ayton, who also hasn't uh, reached his peak yet, who's playing at a high level and he's learning and evolving every year. Just watching the leap that he's made since his first year has just been incredible. And they also have the necessary pieces of young talent, Mikael Bridges on both ends of the floor. doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and then you also got a guy like Jay Crowder, play, you know, played for multiple NBA teams. He's a true veteran, played in multiple playoff games. So he's another one of those guys where I feel like they have all the pieces they need to win. Okay. We only got another couple minutes. And I want to talk about LeBron James because he's LeBron James. For about the last 10 years or so, I would tell anybody that would listen when this guy closes the book on his career, whenever that is. And I mean, he could go three, four five more years the way he looks. I believe he will go down as the greatest all around player ever. I got a million reasons for saying it. I'm happy to share them, but I'm just curious. How would you feel about that particular topic? Ooh. See, that's a tough one. And I have a, uh, everyone staring at me right now, waiting to hear my answer. Um, I would say I'm torn um, just because it's hard when like you, you don't really get to watch fully all the other eras, but, but you have to break down like what you consider the greatest of all time. Is it based on stats? Is it based on number of rings? Is it based on so many things? Like that's, that's the thing. It's like Bill Russell won 11 championships, but no one even considers him, you know, a top three, top five player to ever play in the game. And you're like, well, he won 11 championships, but then you have to factor in who are his teammates? What, are, what kind of level of talent do they compete against in those days? Um, with Michael Jordan, what they were able to do six championships is just incredible. Um, I think, you know, Michael changed the landscape of the NBA. Um, he had such an impact on the game. Um, then you have a guy like LeBron James. It, it's, it's hard for me to give a straight answer because I can like see it from multiple 
ways. I can make cases for every player. I mean, like look at LeBron. He leads the league in so many different categories. Um, but I think the one thing that does hurt players is moving teams. Um, and I hate to say it because I'm one of those people too, where I just, I understand why they do it because if, if a organization can't put the right pieces around you, like you're not going to be able to win. So I appreciate them, you know, leaving those teams to go on to win a championship, you know, play for something bigger. Um, but I think also too, you can make the argument that for LeBron James, it's very hard to win multiple championships with multiple teams. I almost think that it's harder to do that. Um, and especially in the way he's done it in such a short time, you know, with Miami, with Cleveland, with the Lakers, I feel like every team that LeBron plays for is an automatic contender to win an NBA championship. Put them on the worst team, put them with the Timberwolves right now, the Pistons, any of them, they're an automatic favorite to win the whole thing. So to give a straight clear cut answer, I'm just going to go with Michael Jordan and I'm going to wait until I, until LeBron is finished with his career but I think he's right there with him. I have Michael Jordan, I have LeBron James, and then I have Kobe Bryant at third. And anyone who disagrees, but wants to say that Kobe is the closest thing we ever saw to Jordan, I don't wanna hear any arguments because that's, that's automatically the order it has to be in. Uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, period. Okay, I, I would throw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar into the mix, perhaps. But again, he was a little bit before your time. I actually saw him, you know, in his whole career. Um, the one thing you didn't say about LeBron, too, is every team that he joins as a championship contender and every team that he leaves goes straight to the lottery. So mm -hmm. that's that's another measure of that. Well, mm -hmm. Ashley, it's really been great having the conversation with you. I'm an admirer of your work. I know that, you know, the future belongs to you. Thank you for spending so much time today on the Mike Wise Show with me. And hopefully we can have you on again and certainly we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That was dope. <laughs> Thanks to my guest, Ashley Neville, the host of the Ashley Neville Show. Thanks also to our editor, the talented Kristen Woolley. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay has the best in college hoop each Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here every Wednesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure drops on Thursday. And they recently did their 100th show with Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports as their special guest. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And of course, my man Mike has a new Mike Wise show every Monday. We also have a YouTube channel with dozens of great video segments, interviews, and quick hitters. Go to YouTube and search for Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Hopefully we're on the verge of snuffing this pandemic out for good. So when you qualify for the vaccination, please do the right thing and get it. But until that day arrives, keep your guard up, wear the mask in public to protect yourself and others, wash your hands, keep your distance, be considerate of others. And if you know a nurse, doctor, or other frontline worker, tell them thanks and keep them in your prayers. Until next time, we'll see you next week on The Mike Wise Show. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.